Hi, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Emily Green, otherwise known as Emily the Medium. This show is a space where I'll share my teachings around life after death, the soul, intuition, developing psychic abilities, and so much more. Together, we will expand our minds beyond what is widely accepted as truth and start to see the mind, body, and soul from a completely different perspective. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Welcome to Emily the Medium podcast's final episode for 2020. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Today is winter solstice. If you're in the northern hemisphere, if you are in the southern hemisphere, it is summer solstice. So happy winter solstice or summer solstice wherever you are. I hope you're doing something beautiful and special to really ring in the energy of the solstice. Um, It's a very, very special day. I always love celebrating the solstices. And in the Kundalini tradition, it's actually said that the solstice whether summer or winter, the solstices are the most important days of your life. And it really sets the tone for the following six months as you approach the 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 next solstice. So from winter solstice to summer solstice, it's a powerful time and it's a powerful, powerful day to be in spiritual practice, be in meditation, um, or whatever it is that you choose to do, whatever your winter solstice rituals are. So I hope you're doing something special today. I have an incredibly special episode for you today. I did not plan that this episode would be coming out on today, but of course, as as my guest says in the beginning couple moments of this episode, you can't make this shit up. Uh, today I have on the podcast Dr. Michael Lennox, who is an astrologer, who is a dream expert, and it's just, he does so many different incredible and amazing things, and I'm so happy happy to introduce him and his work to you on the podcast today. I found Dr. Lennox through my friend Danielle Srank, who has been on the podcast before. So shout out to Danielle for bringing him on her podcast as it gave me the opening and the opportunity to get connected with his work and his teachings and his take on astrology. If you don't yet follow Dr. Michael Lennox on Instagram, I highly, highly recommend that you do. He is over on Instagram at Dr. Lennox Dreams. And he does, as we speak about in this episode, think something called Red Robe Astrology Updates, which is essentially kind of like an astrological overview in a minute, in, you know, a minute or less of the kind of the vibe for the day based on astrological tra- transits and planetary movements and things like this, which I find so, so valuable. And as we talk about in the episode, it's very accessible for people who are maybe curious about astrology, but they find it a bit hard to understand or what have you. And they're looking for a way to understand how they are affected by the planetary movements and astrological transits and things like this. You know, I truly believe that, you know, we are such sensitive cosmic, cosmic beings who are so interwoven into the framework of the universe and astrological movements and the planetary movements. And so when things are happening astrologically, we feel it. I have people messaging me left, right, and center saying, Emily, what's happening today? Why do I feel this way? Why do I have a headache? Blah, 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 blah. Why do I feel angry at my partner? You know, what's what's going on? And most of the time, I will direct them over to Dr. Lennox's page so they can kind of get the the vibe for the astrological imprint of the day, just to give some context around what we're experiencing. I think especially in 2020, as we talk about um, understanding 
you know, as Dr. Lennox says, we have we understand it from the humanity, from our from our human perspective, which is awful and 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 not you know wonderful for a lot of people. Um, but astrology astrology gives us a higher perspective and a higher view of what is going on, which he explains so so incredibly and so so succinctly, uh, if that's even a word, in such a succinct way. So I think I will let the rest of this interview speak for itself. We get through so much amazing information. We talk just about how he came into astrology, his calling on this planet as a teacher, and how it was really activated in this year. Uh, We talk about the astrology of 2020. We talk about the astrology of 2021. We talk about the Great Conjunction happening uh, today, December 21st, 2020. We talk about the age of Aquarius. We get into so, so much interesting information in this episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it all. One quick last little thing, just so you know, I will be taking a little bit of a break from the podcast for the holidays. So my next episode will come out the week of January 11th, 2021. So I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you so much for listening to the podcast in 2020. I appreciate your love. I appreciate your support. Um, this, this year, I relaunched my podcast and it has been so incredible to have all of your feedback, support, and your, your, um, just your, your support of, of my work and of the, of the podcast, of the interviews that I do, of the solos that I do. I love you all so much. And I hope you all have a beautiful, rejuvenative, holiday season, whatever it is that you celebrate. And I'm sending you so much love and I cannot wait to reconnect with all of you in 2021. I'm sending you a big hug and a big kiss. Now let's get into this episode with Dr. Michael Lennox. Dr. Lennox, thank you so much for for coming on. I've been so excited for this interview um, and it's been on the calendar for a little while and I've been looking forward to it and looking forward to it and looking forward to it. And actually, I didn't mention this to you before, but it actually is going to work out that. So we're recording this episode on December 7th. This will actually end up coming out on winter solstice and on the day of the great conjunction. So I didn't plan that, but I looked ahead. I'm like, of course, his episode is coming out on December. Of course, it falls right into my favorite, like little catchphrase of you just can't make this shit up. Exactly. Exactly. The synchronicities are powerful. And I love that it's lining up for you in that way. It's, yeah. it's perfect. So I would love for you to open up. You know, I got to hear, I mentioned to you before I got to, I got connected with your work and with your message and with your teachings through my friend, Danielle Serenk. You did an interview mm-hmm. on her podcast. And as soon as I heard that interview, I was like, oh my goodness, I have to have you on my podcast. So I would love, I know little bits and pieces of your origin story and how you came to your work as an astrologer and as a dream expert, as a psychologist, you do lots of different things, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and but it's it's wonderful. So I would love to hear how you came to be where you are right now. It is a journey that starts with dreams, goes into sort of, you know, anything of self-actualization. Then I added astrology. And yes, I sort of do a lot of different things. As a kid, I was fascinated with dreams and so much so that I began to ask my friends to tell me their dreams. And I had this sense that I, you know, could offer them some guidance about that. I had picked up a Freud's interpretation of dreams when I was 15 because it showed up on my mother's shelf because she was getting a, you know, a master's in social work. And um, so that's where it really began of this idea that 
people could share things about themselves through sharing a dream and that I was triggered somehow. I was triggered with wisdom or information or intuitive responses to those dreams that I didn't necessarily understand, but it got me going on the path of asking people to share their dreams with me. Around the same time, I picked up my first deck of tarot cards because I thought that was cool and I wanted to know more about that. So by the time I was a young adult, I already had this sort of burgeoning spiritual curiosity going on sort of in the one angle of my life where the rest of it was me, you know, first trying to, you know, be an actor. And then like, you know, I landed in the entertainment industry as an executive for a while, but all of the time, uh, sort of on the sidelines, I was never not nurturing my spiritual path. I started meditating at 15. I learned about prayer and, you know, in my early twenties and I just kept developing that process. The first time I ever received an astrology reading, I was given the copy of my chart while she was doing the reading. I was like 25 years old. And there was just something about it that made sense to me. I looked at the chart. I knew the glyph symbol for Mars and Venus because they were popular images back in the 70s. Everybody knew what that those yes. symbols meant. And I just got it in a way that when I then started to study astrology in the 90s, it was indeed like something I was remembering, yes. not like something I was learning. And then in my mid 30s, I had a little bit of a crisis of identity, a little breakup was involved. And I just dove into grad school uh, in psychology uh, knowing I wanted to know more about the human condition, but not necessarily wanting to become a psychotherapist. And in fact, I never did. I do practice a little bit of psychotherapy here and there to just keep those chops going. But that was the turning point, mid to late 30s, getting the formal education so that as I stepped out into the world as a spiritual teacher, that I wasn't coming just from some place of hooey hooey and the woo-woo that I loved, but I'm also a scientist. So I needed that sort of more, you know, detailed, uh, a theoretical education. And that's what really put it together uh, for me to sort of enter the world uh, um, as the spiritual teacher who had dreams and dream interpretation, meditation and prayer, now astrology as one of the greater tools. And since about 2000, 1999, I was laid off in my last job as vice president of new business development at Playboy, of wow. all places. <laughs> and from then on in, I've been nurturing, developing and growing my spiritual path as a teacher using all of those. Wow. Amazing. Your story is so, so fascinating to me. And I think I especially relate to it just because, you know, I kind of have all it's very similarly to you i've always had that kind of quest that thirst for yeah. um that knowledge i'm a sagittarius so you know i've always oh, had yeah yeah i'm a sagittarius rising baby that's yes. what that is that archetype drives us to need to know more yes exactly and from a young age the same thing very curious trying to get my hands on all the books i was i was checking out you know the paranormal books and all this yeah. kind of stuff. you know i was just very curious and so but then i actually ended up kind of i detoured into a science background as well i actually have a background <laughs> in optometry and opticianary and kind of that world of things so it was the same for me where i wanted to <laughs> have the blend of you know exactly like this hooey hooey this kind of this right. side of things 
but also blending it with my kind of scientific, scientific mind sort of and description of the phenomenon. I mean, the, the best thing that ever happened to yes. God, as far as I'm concerned, is science. You know, there was yeah. a time back in centuries past where those two were together and, you know, as one, they sort of separated apart. And now all of the advances in quantum physics is uh, are just describing these phenomenon that we also call, you know, God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a great moment for people like you and I to be alive and be exploring. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it truly has felt like that this year. And I know you mentioned that before. I would love to hear you speak on this around just as a teacher and especially in this year, because I find that what I've noticed is that there's a lot of people I've always been very curious about astrology, but I find that people who maybe astrology was never even on their radar before are getting really curious about mm-hmm. astrological kind of connotations, planetary movements and things like that. I find that there's more people coming into that conversation and, yes. and kind of getting curious about it. Do you notice that? I do. I yeah. do. Social media, of course, is assisting that tremendously. And I've, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years and social media has only been around for like the last decade. So it's been beautiful to watch uh, what's possible when social media bubbles that get created, which are really dangerous and problematic on the one hand. But the benefit is it starts putting together communities and pockets of people who are interested in the same information. And then for those who are curious about learning more, whether it's about spiritual materials or how to macrame, (laughs) those worlds in social media assist people in finding the information that 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 satisfies the urges that they have inside themselves to grow, learn and, and, and explore. And I think that just in a standard way, the more chaotic the outside world is, the more we have to turn within for the comfort that we seek because it ain't available in the outside world. <laughs> and that's, I think, why astrology is starting to pick up its, its sort of, you know, attraction for people, especially if something like this happens, something that happens to me a lot. I do a daily video on Instagram and Facebook called Red Robe Astrology. So I'm yes. I'm in the position to be reporting on a regular basis, kind of generally what's going on. One of the funny things that happens is I'll put out a communication warning on a day. Be like, watch out for your conversations because they're probably going to turn into arguments today. And then I will constantly get you know hit in my engagement, like, oh, my God, I wish I'd read this sooner. Oh, oh, you're so right. This problem happened. What what this does, Emily, is that someone who's sort of kind of curious, but maybe not believing it has a big argument on the day that I'm telling you you're going to have a big argument and they go, huh. That's interesting. And you get one or two or three of those experiences and people get hooked. Yeah. If I put something out that says Mercury is retrograde and he's doing something today that will harken back to something on this date. And then I get all of these emails and DMs going, oh, my God, I did this today. And two weeks ago when you said that's when it started. All you need is good two or three of those moments and people will start to say there must be something to this. 
Yes, absolutely. Well, I was actually going to bring that up because I absolutely love your red robe astrology updates. And it's the same experience for me where I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, that exact, you know, sometimes I'll watch them um, sort of later in the day as after uh, the day has played out. And I'm like, huh, and wow, it's not intentional. Exactly how it played out. Yes, right. exactly. Exactly. And I think what you do really, really, really well is you break it down and, and in a minute or less, let me say, which is pretty <laughs> impressive in a minute or less, but you take kind of these sometimes you know large concept planetary kind of uh, con uh, movements and really condense it into something that is easy and quick and mm. digestible and accessible to understand so that somebody could kind of go oh yeah i did have that experience or that did happen which i think is maybe one of the 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 uh, where i see a lot of people kind of get a little stuck with astrology yeah. is that it is there's lots of big concepts and it's so dense and there's so much information and so much to know yeah. and i find that people get a little kind of discombobulated yeah. when it's not digestible so you do that really really well thank you I, I first of all let me i'll take in the compliment of that and then i'll just sort of turn around and say well yeah that is sort of my superpower and mm -hmm. i it's it's thank you for the compliment on the one hand but on the other hand it's just like well that is what i do like that is what i do my job is to distill these things into a codifiable and grokkable sort of simple explanation. One of the things that makes me good at that is that I have a good grasp on fundamental principles so that I'm not talking about um, bigger complexities. I'll boil it down to this is a day of grief. Yeah. This is a day of joy. This is a day of consternation from the neck up. This is a day of grounded solidity. Um, and because I'm talking about more universal fundamental energies, more people identify. Yeah. And the other thing is just a thing that I'm good at because of the way I love language. I'm just a language kind of guy. Yeah. Um, I've been talking since I came out of the <laughs> womb and I haven't stopped. In fact, <laughs> I'm such a talker that my inner monologue is outer, it's out loud, and it's not yeah. like if you put a camera up in the corner of my apartment, you'd be like, where's his roommate? Who's yeah. he talking to? <laughs> right? I love it. So my, yeah. my, my natural disposition for being a communicator and, and a teacher yeah. drives me to find those simple codifiable, easy to understand um, uh, piece of language. And yeah. I have had lots of people say to me, I've never quite understood astrology, but when you explain it, I really get it. Yes. And then I have those people who say, I don't know anything about what you're saying. I don't get it at all. I love the way you do it because it's so fun and entertaining, but it goes over my head. And my response to them is, well, if you can't get it from me, yeah, astrology may not be for you. Right. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think it's important too that, you know, you're still talking about, like, you're still talking about the planetary movements. Like today you were mentioning, you know, moons in Virgo, I believe, yep. um, Venus in Scorpio, and that's kind of making an aspect with Chiron and all these things. So I love that you still use the technical, right? I think if I'm remembering that correctly, <laughs> I think yeah, so. No, no, honey, you okay. nailed it. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. Awesome. I didn't even write that down. That was purely memory. But I, I think that I love that you still incorporate the transits and, and kind of like using yeah. the technical language. Well, I want, I want to yeah. teach people like that's my desire it's not 
yes, my desire is to help and serve and guide with information that's available uh, that I can translate. But I would rather have you be able to do that than have to rely on me to do it by teaching you how to understand these principles around astrology and how it works. I love it. I love it. And I'm curious to hear, too, because I actually don't know if I know this story, but I'm curious to hear what's the background story behind Red Robe Astrology? How did you get started with that? <laughs> and when did you get started with this? It's actually kind of adorable in a way. I mean, it yeah. is to me. I decided to invest in my business in a very big way about three years ago. It was just time. I was successful enough that I had the income level to yeah. take money that I was making and invest in help with staff. And 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 I came to some marketing people that I developed a relationship with that I felt, you know, was a good fit. And of course, the first thing that anybody will meet in the world of the modern business that is housed online is social media marketing and engagement. You must do this twice a day, 31 hashtags, blah, 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 all these like structures that they have, you know, there's algorithms and analytics to back this up, right? It's not random. So for months, as I was just trying to find my way, I would do long Facebook lives, which I loved because I loved to teach, but I couldn't do that every day. And so I was looking for a way to bridge the gap between the demands I was being, you know, sort of forced to engage with my audience on a regular basis, but to do it in a way that wasn't so onerous that I could actually do it every day. And so Somewhere along the line, what what created the initial red robe astrology was when I discovered that an Instagram post, I feel like such an old New York Jew here, like I'm so not a 25 year old kid who knows how this shit works. When I discovered that if you did a post on Instagram, that it would copy to your Facebook business page automatically, I was like, okay, okay, wait, great, great. That's killing two birds with one stone. Okay, Instagram will only allow me a 59-second video. So that's what forced the minute-long videos, not some idea that I wanted to do short. I didn't do this because I wanted short, biteable nuggets, though it turned out that was the net result. I did it because it was going to satisfy the overwhelming demand to engage with my audience every day. So the so how we've got it's because Instagram shares with Facebook and Instagram demands that it be 59 seconds. So now it's 59 seconds. Then it just became every day because that's just the kind of guy I am. Once I pick something up that's organic, it's there. It's it's in me. So it was I was never going to not do a post because I'm a little obsessive that way. I love it. I did them in my bathrobe because it's five in the morning and that's what I'm wearing. There was no like pre-decided like notion of won't this be clever? Mm-hmm. Though mm-hmm. it turned out to be a very clever thing. Yeah. It was functional. Yes. If I didn't put the bathrobe on, I'd have to do them naked. So yeah. I put the bathrobe on. <laughs> Now, here's where it became. I'm sorry, this is such a long story. I hope no, I love it. Painting on some level. Absolutely. Where it became a hashtag was I did this for a number of months. It was winter ish, probably 2018. And suddenly it was getting warm. I was like, oh, I guess I need to get that lightweight bathrobe I've always thought I should have. <laughs> and so, because The marketing team was also saying, Michael, you need to engage more personally. 
your audience wants to know like what you're doing and what you're eating and when you're working out. I'm like, really, really they do? People care about that? And apparently they do, which again, 57 year old New York Jew, like what? I don't get that, but they do. So I did a post that year that just said, in the market for a lightweight bathrobe, what color should I go with? Honey, you would have thought I was curing cancer with that post, with the engagement it got. <laughs> Dozens of hundreds. I, I don't I mean, I'm being obviously I'm over over dramatizing, yeah. <laughs> but that post got so much engagement. It was like, oh, it really is true. Yeah. It's, it's not that people want that for me. It's that this is available in the world. Social media has created this access into the personal lives of visible people, whether you're, you know, a three million follower, you know, influencer or, you know, a 20,000 follower spiritual teacher. People want to know if I'm drinking my protein smoothie at 20. Yeah. Now, I can't I haven't quite gotten to that point on my sharing of my person. <laughs> but I tell you, every month I'm having another conversation with somebody in the marketing realm who says you really need to do that. Your audience will love it. I know, you know, I'm, I find that too, like, just first of all, I love that story. I think it's, it's so neat. And just like the engagement of like, people are curious, you know, they want to have a say, Hey, even down to what color bathrobe you're wearing. That's, right. That's yeah. right. But I'm curious actually from an astrological perspective, because I find that I actually really have to try to, Oh yeah. Like I could share this little nugget about my life or about this or that. Is that, what is that? Is that a, a Scorpio thing? Is that a cap? Where oh, is that well, from? if you, you know, Scorpio energy likes to hide right. and not be visible in that kind of a way. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, I, golly, I'm trying to think of the Scorpio in my chart. Why am I so averse to this? <laughs> Private. Well, I do have like Scorpio rules my 11th house. Yes. And the 11th house is the house of public visibility. Right. Oh, interesting. I never thought about this, Emily. You really actually make this really interesting because I'm a Sagittarius rising, which right. is comfortable with visibility and just like, here I am now and here I am here. Here I am there. Watch me go to the gym. Yes. Now yeah. I'm, you know, check it out. Um, but yeah, I have Scorpio on the house that would typically govern how I relate to the public world. And so that I think that must cause me to want to keep certain things private. Yes. And yet at the same time, as a personality, I'm an open book. Like yeah. I'll talk about anything. I listen, I can't run for mayor <laughs> ever. So I'm happy to share why. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, cool. That's that's interesting. I just wondered about that because when you were saying that, I know there's lots of people who are like, you know, like sharing every little nugget, and which I think is really cool. And I enjoy absorbing it, but I'm just not like that. I've got Venus and Scorpio, which I natally. That's, yeah. that's perfect. So your heart and the way you yeah. experience your emotional intelligence says, yeah, I'm going to protect some of this. Some of this is private. Much yes. of this is, you know, my business and not yours in a very hard and fast way. Yes. Interesting. There we go. We figured it out. I love it. I love it. Well, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, and this is kind of, you know, a hot topic, I guess you could say right now mm -hmm. is sort of the conversation around this year that we're in, um, you know, the year 2020 and what it's all about. And I know you've, you've talked about this before, about when you were asked about 2020 beforehand, you know, yeah. you said like, we've never seen it before, which I think is such a succinct way to sum this, <laughs> this year up. 
truly, truly, truly. So can you, I was curious to hear you talk about, well, first of all, just your, I know you mentioned before we got on kind of your calling as a teacher and Mm. really feeling like how this year has kind of called you up uh, in a way. So I'd love to hear you speak on that. And then also maybe just some of the hot points about around some of the transits and things that we've been experiencing in 2020. Sure, sure, sure. You know, back in the day, I used to hear the trope of, oh, we we incarnated at this time to help. This is a classic woo-woo trope Mm -hmm. that would cause me to roll my eyes so intensely that if rolling your eyes could damage your eyes, mine would have fallen out (laughs) from all those years of eye rolling. I don't roll my eyes anymore. It was a snotty kid habit. It was a phase. Yeah, Yeah, it was a phase. But I certainly did not have any identification with the notion of incarnating at this time to help, even though my sensibility understood that incarnating and awareness of that from the higher consciousness that that, that the being that is our consciousness is, is greater, like our little individual human consciousnesses are connected to this vast, larger collective. It's certainly possible that there's a consciousness of when we incarnate. Um, When I got into this portion of of our chronology (laughs) and our history, and especially 2020, I was like, oh, that's what they mean. Like, it made sense to me in a way that Every struggle I may have ever had over the last 25 years of what am I doing? Why am I changing my life like this? Why did I abandon everything from the first half of my life to do this particular work in helping people have a better experience of their unconscious minds through spiritual practice and self-investigation? And using astrology as the primary tool to do so, there was just something crazy about that the astrology was telling a story of like we've never seen before breakdown and change and transformation beyond your capacity to understand and then we got here and you know i would be on the phone with my colleague a particular colleague friend of mine monique ruffin she and i would get on the phone in january because we knew january was when the transits we're heating up and the shit was going to hit the fan. Yeah. And we, every second day we'd be like, oh, my God, Brexit. Oh, my God, Australia's burning down. Oh, my God, the president is being impeached. Oh, my God, there's a virus coming out of China. Yeah. And it was oddly. Well, separate from my my humanity and how awful and difficult this is yeah. from a greater perspective, it, it just was so um profound yeah. and, and made sense of everything that led to this point allowed me to be ready to teach mm-hmm. in a year where the world was falling apart, but I wasn't yeah. because I no longer live in the world in that way. Wow. I can be today fully in the world, but not of it. Mm-hmm. I can be unattached to the events so that when I am triggered by grief, pain, or astonishment, which I have been, I know how to go process it on the other side of the room for 11 seconds so that I can come back into my body and just do my life. Now, I couldn't have done that a couple of years ago. So if 2020 had come when I wasn't ready 
I would have been wasting all of that resource, you know, bitching on Facebook about how stupid everybody is, just like everybody's on Facebook bitching about how stupid everybody on the other side is. Yes. So there was something deeply personal about the timing of my readiness and the world's need for teachers who could stand comfortably in their wisdom, mm-hmm. knowing the humanity that everybody's experiencing, but not quite being in the same struggle as the people I might help and inspire. Yeah, And this was at the level of profundity that's personal to me, that there were many, many weeping moments of profound gratitude wow. of I incarnated at this time to help. And though I was born in 1963, I had to wait to 2020. Ooh, now I'm yeah. getting cheery thinking about it. Yeah. I had to wait until 2020 before my life in the universe said, this is what we were talking about. My yeah. Daughter. Yeah. Wow. That is so beautiful. I was getting goosebumps and emotional as you were speaking about it too, because I think that's I mean, that's just such a powerful message and just really, you know, I only came online to your work in the second half of this year, but just getting to watch you in this this profound wisdom and and really feeling like I felt every time I engage with you and your work, um, I feel steady. Like, I feel like, well, yes, yes, because I may be doing it in one way with every inch of my life, but this isn't something that you're not doing or that she's not doing or that he's not doing. I'm just doing it and speaking about it so that you and you and you who are doing it and maybe struggling in a way that I'm not can look up and say, oh, Mm -hmm. got it. I got he's got my back. He's a human being in a body on a journey. And he got to a place where he can be in the world, but not quite of it. So can I. Yes. If I keep doing the work and he has something I want. So I'm going to follow him for that wisdom and guidance. And I'm at a place in my life where I can receive that projection without being overwhelmed by lots of people having ideas about me. Yeah, that's wow. That's amazing. It's amazing. And I think it's also just a good message for anyone who is, you know, a little bit down and out or feeling a bit discouraged about their path or their work or their purpose or their teachings and all this stuff. And um, I think it's, you know, one thing that I've gotten from you just as we're talking is like a a really strong theme of resilience throughout your your (laughs) (laughs) throughout, you know, okay, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to restructure. I'm going to. Yeah. Never was there a buzzword. Yeah was more prescient than resilience in 2020. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think that my continuity of knowing who I am, how I serve and what I do is modeling for people is that we are being carried on a journey, even when we can't see that. And so my personal experience may not reflect that in 2020, but most people's are. Most people's lives have been so interrupted that there is a radical change happening for people and people can feel lost in such change and transformation and have the mistaken idea that life and the flow of life has stopped and they have to pull themselves out of the pit that we have fallen into. Now, it is true that everybody has to climb their own climb, but the idea that you're not being carried to some new iteration of your life is a myth. It's a lie. You are. You just can't see that. And so part of then 
what I'm offering is don't forget that kids it's mm-hmm. we're going somewhere you will get there it won't be like this forever yeah um and the yeah. more willingly we meet these moments with surrender and acceptance of how difficult it is the more in the flow we are and therefore the more gracefully we will be lifted up out of these places as time passes and we shift yeah. where energy is Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, then that leads me to my next question, which is sort of just around, you know, we're here that the, in the last month, the 12th month of of 2020, and we're kind of in, in my understanding, we're in kind of an, we're in an eclipse sort of situation here. We're leading up to, like we mentioned, um, this winter solstice and the great conjunction, which I would love to hear you speak on. And maybe just in layman's terms, kind of that, what is the great conjunction? What is happening astrologically with this? And what is it ushering in? Okay. Let's start with what Jupiter and Saturn represent. We've got inner planets, the fast moving ones, Venus, Mercury, Mars, the Earth and this moon, you know, uh, orbiting the sun very closely. And in the reflection of astrology, that represents us, us as individuals. Mars is our bodies. Venus is our feelings and our heart. Mercury, our minds and our spiritual body is the dance between the sun and the moon. And we have outer planets that represent our higher consciousness, the God consciousness, if you will, Neptune, Uranus and Pluto, very far out there connected to us as much as Mercury and Venus are, but far, far, far away. So they represent the consciousness that is part of who we are. That's far, far away and global and governs everything. The movement on the planet itself that creates or rather reflects our social experience, our government experience, the townships we live in, the jobs we go to, the communities that we move through, the movies we watch, all of the social, they're called the social planets. I always hesitate with that word because it sounds like we're talking about your social life, you know, in air quotes, which is, of course, included in that. But it's everything that happens outside of your own body. But that isn't like God. Yeah. God is Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto. Your body is the inner planets. The okay. So that's what we're going. Yes. Saturn represents the structure and the discipline, and Jupiter represents the expansion and the growth. So the two of them are like the binary code of our world experience. So they come together every 20 years like clockwork. So that's a conjunction. When two planets appear to be at the same place at the same time, we call that a conjunction. The planets are conjunct. And because these are the two planets that rule the sort of social, outward, global experience on the planet, this great conjunction is generational. A generation is essentially a 20-year period where someone is born, they become an adult, And within a short period of time of that 20-year mark, they start to procreate, and we have a generation. The Gen X, Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen Gen Aniston, Gen whatever, right? (laughs) Um, Whatever they're calling them now. Whatever, yeah, Yeah. right. So now, that doesn't mean that what we call the generational markers is Gen Z, Gen X, Gen Y match Jupiter and Saturn's 20 year thing. But you understand the concept is the same thing that essentially every two decades, we are in a generational shift. Mm -hmm. Now, 
why it's called a great conjunction is because these are the two biggest planets in the solar system. That's it. It's yeah. called great because Got they're it. the greater sized planets. They happen to be big. They happen to be conjunct. Great conjunction. Got it. What's let's just talk for a second about what this isn't. Yeah. All right. Not to disappoint people, but a Jupiter and Saturn are not going to look like a big star. I, I know. They're well, going to look like Jupiter and Saturn. There's going to be Jupiter. There's going to be Saturn. They're not going to look like the same thing. Yeah. I, I, if I could find that woman, Chanel Vargas, who wrote this in Pop Sugar, I would slap her face in front of my mother. I was hoping you would myth bust a little. Yeah. Right, well, first of all, Pop Sugar. I mean, yes. the one that's hitting the most is this Pop Sugar article where right. this, this young woman, God bless her, couldn't know a thing about astrology right. or she wouldn't have written this thing. And it's just going around everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes, they will look very close to each other because they are, in fact, closer together than they have been in a long time, which is, by the way, an astronomical phenomenon, not really an astrological phenomenon. Right. The difference being astronomy is about the precise movements. Astrology, astrology, astrology is about the interpretation yeah. And we don't have an interpretation in astrology for greater or closer or further. They're right. conjunct. They're conjunct. If they're That's closer, it. it's like it's like this thing about the supermoons. Mm-hmm. The supermoons yeah. are not a thing, honey. OK, they're a tiny bit closer and yeah. they're a tiny bit brighter. And who this matters for is the person who would go out with a lumen, you know, a, a, a measurement of light lumens. Yep. And they would see a brighter light from the supermoon. But like, yeah. it's not like it ain't the thing that social media memes make it seem like it is. Right. This conjunction is no greater than any other. Now, there are some things about the synchronicities of this one that are just stunning. Yeah. And they fall into the idea of like we've never seen before. Now. People are saying, oh, this is the age of Aquarius beginning. It's like, no, we've been in the age of Aquarius for quite some time now. Yes. And I'm curious just to interject when when because I know there's some like room for interpretation there. Absolutely. First of all, right there, honey, let's just start with that. Yeah. There's so much room for interpretation that nobody can stand on ceremony and say this is the entrance to the age of Aquarius because uh, sorry, honey. Let's take a moment for a second, though, and describe the age of Aquarius outside of astrology. Mm-hmm. It's a 2000 year age. We move backwards. So we're coming out of Pisces into Aquarius. Yeah. Aquarius is the energy of innovation, of global oneness. Aquarius was the dude who said something's missing. Missing. I'm going to go find it. He found water on his hero journey. He brought it back. Water brought life. That's why he's called the water bearer. He's not a water sign, though. He's all air, all intuition and all global service. That act of him bringing water back to the community means that Aquarius's energy is about serving the global community. And that's what the age of Aquarius promises. So the hallmark of the age of Aquarius on the planet is the computer. And the Internet and artificial intelligence, which has been around since the middle of the 19th century. The minute Alan Turing developed binary code in the first computer, 
We entered the age of Aquarius. Now, I don't think we walked in on a Tuesday. I think we inch in over many decades. You could argue that the age of Aquarius started with the Industrial Revolution. It certainly was being hinted at, and you could call the end of the age of Pisces and the beginning of the age of Aquarius to inch in when the steam engine changed the world hundreds of years ago. Yeah. Right. So the idea that Jan, you know, that December of 2020 is the beginning of the age of Aquarius is nonsense. We've been in it. Yes. But you could call this the party Mm -hmm. of the launch. Yeah. Launch party. Age of Aquarius. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because Saturn and Jupiter are meeting in this great conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius. Right. That's. Now, this is not powerful astrology, Emily. Mm -hmm. This is powerful synchronicity. Right. Yes. This is an every 20. Someone asked me, are you going to do a video about Jupiter and Saturn coming together? I'm like, Mm -hmm. I didn't say this to them. But my my felt response was, no, why would I? Right. It's not that big of a deal. It's certainly not bigger than what Pluto, Saturn and Jupiter did in Capricorn this year that generated and reflected all of the change and transformation. Yeah. I wouldn't do a video on this. I'm doing lots of podcasts and occasional commenting in Mm -hmm. on Facebook to say, Watch the magical thinking, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I think that's really good because I think I'm sure you notice this, like all uh, you know, the 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 hype or kind of these these trendy sort of buzzy kind of ways that astrology can take. And I notice it. And I don't know, you know, I'm not an expert, but I can notice, like, oh, that looks like a little bit, you know, like this yeah, is a little bit of a little bit of added <laughs> zhuzh. Yes. Here's what I want, Emily. Yes. I want people to get to this moment of the solstice and the great conjunction at the beginning of Aquarius and dive in to their personal celebration that we do on a solstice. What we do on the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere is the light is the least out there. So we must find the light inside of us. That's the celebration of the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere. And it happens to be that simultaneous with this idea of, oh, my God, it's dark out there. Let's find the light within that our social planets are saying, I promise you guys, we're beginning the age where we're going to bring peace for humanity to the planet. Yeah. And we have 2000 years to get it done. Mm -hmm. That's what I want people thinking about on the solstice this year. Here's where I get protective of humanity with the overwhelming woo-woo memes is if you are approaching this solstice like it's a magic potion for all that ails us, you will be disappointed. If you look up at the sky expecting to see a bright double star, you will be disappointed. I would rather have people celebrating this moment for what it really has available to us than being in their magical thinking, thinking that, oh, if we just, if enough people see this meme, you know. Uh. Yeah. Now, listen, I may be a little overly cynical around these hooey, hooey, overwhelming, yeah. you know, accelerations of stuff. Yeah. But I also am someone here who's to teach astrology. I don't want people misunderstanding yeah. the power of this great conjunction. Because it is powerful. But if you think it's a magic trick or some, you know, thing that it isn't, then you miss what it is. Right. 
Yes. No, I think that's wonderful. I think it's, it's especially, you know, like we mentioned earlier, as it's kind of gaining, um, traction and speed and interest it's like i think you know everybody kind of thinks they're an astrologer which i think is kind of funny you know everybody's like right 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 yeah. but it's like this like people who who yeah. i love when people who are just like they they do their marketing job or they're maybe they're a homemaker and then they're posting on you know this virus is not that i'm like right. oh when did you become a virologist or an epidemiologist <laughs> right right yes yeah well so that's really, I mean, and totally, I, I love what you said just around, it's the synchronicity of the moment. And I think just, you know, really special that um, with winter solstice and, and, and maybe even bringing, um, you know, I've always celebrated winter solstice and summer solstice mm -hmm. and, you know, they've always yep. been really special, special days for me. And I think more people are kind of like, Oh, winter solstice, you know, like they're, they're kind right. of. right, And yeah. that's also the value of the moment of astrology sort of rising up. I'll bet yeah. you there'll be more people honoring the solstice this year than there were last year. Absolutely. Which I think is really neat. And that's that's a cool kind of movement in that direction. So one last thing, not just on, you know, 2020 and this and mm. 2021. Are there um, are there any kind of, I guess, transits as we're entering into 2021 or throughout 2021 that are kind of um, significant or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, the leading single transit of next year that is going to bring the most difficulty um, for us is uh, a square between Saturn in Aquarius and Uranus in Taurus. So let's sort of break this down. Yeah. Uranus is the energy of sudden change. He brings his change with like flashes of lightning. So when change happens fast on the planet, Uranus is involved. Yeah. Uranus is in the grounded earth sign of Taurus. And what's possible there, because Taurus energy is about what is solid and immovable, to have the planet that can move anything with a flash of lightning <laughs> in the sign that is typically nothing can be moved that's grounded, solid, and stable, that he's just sitting, he's been there for a couple of years now, right? Just sort of waiting <laughs> mm -hmm. to really shake things up. And Saturn being a social planet, and being the planet that brings reckoning and discipline and, and lessons and karma and um, uh, the things we have to learn um, as part of our experience of consciousness. He enters Aquarius on the solstice today that this recording is being shared with the world and will inch towards this what's uh, ultimately a conflict geometry, a square. Yeah. So think about a square. Think about the floor and the wall right in the room you're sitting in, they are arguing at the top of their lungs and the floor is telling the wall to lay down and the wall is saying, no, stand up. And they never, never, ever, ever stop that argument. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's value in that. We have to hold that tension so that the room stands. Yeah. They both want the same thing, but they approach it so differently that there's the conflict. Yes. Afoot. Yeah. So with the planet Saturn now in Aquarius, there's a this is this may get a little technical. So let me I'll move slow. Yeah. There's a thing in astrology called disposition, just like we have a disposition, a mood, right? Mm -hmm. Our moods. 
The mood a planet is in gets their mood from the ruler of the sign that they're traveling through. Right. So that means that Saturn, who brings reckoning lessons and karma, is going to get his mood for the next two to three years from Uranus, the great awakener, because Uranus rules Aquarius. Saturn is in Aquarius. And so as Saturn, the reckoning teacher guy says, I think we got more lessons to teach these people. Mm -hmm. He's receiving his disposition from the planet that uses lightning and instability to change things very suddenly. So a square from Saturn in Aquarius to Uranus has more disruption, unstable energy built into what he brings or reflects because he's in that sign. And so we've now, by conversely, then Uranus has more capacity to disrupt the undisruptible, to move the immovable, to make change happen in what was thought to be unchangeable. Now, you've got three passes of this square um, uh, during the year. Please don't ask me what months they come in because I'm not prepared to answer that question. That's totally my mind fine. Is, a, is a mess. But just three evenly spaced times, yep. we will pass through the square in 2021. And this will bring about or reflect, I should say, big conflict. Now, what has happened in 2020 gets added into what happens in 2021. So if you could remove the changes and the transformational energies that came up in 2020, the square would be much less difficult and unstable to move through. But we right. can't do that. Yes. So what happens if you take a world and say we are eradicating structures left, right and center in ways that you thought, well, in my words, like we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And then you add on top of that this notion, oh, great, that change is behind us. And yes, it is. Those energies have softened. They softened in November. And now we're kind of in this little lull of eclipse season and this great conjunction and the powerful solstice. And then we move into 2021 and we begin this square, which brings about conflict. Certainly in the United States of America, what are we seeing like crazy is this rising up in the streets of a kind of civil war that is just a continuation of problems that the United States has had since it was, in, you know, in, met its inception a couple of hundred years ago. Yes. And so I think we are likely to see tremendous uprisings of this conflict energy. And if you add that notion of what I'm describing astrologically and energetically and archetypally to the actual narrative of a world that's going crazy with the pandemic, the United States of America, whose very system of democracy is undergoing some radical shifts and changes that are terrifying and bizarre. And I think we're going to see more, not less. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm Canadian, actually, but I've been, you know, observing. Lucky you. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I mean, we have our own shit over here, too. Don't we? We've got we've got stuff going on. But but, you know, it's it's I think right. I think it's um, one thing that I wanted to say just about that is that I love your I love the way you explain that. And I think it's also good just as kind of a a bit of a reality check because I think there has been this narrative sort of being um, thrown around just around, oh, like as soon as 2020 is done, like we're good. Yeah, we're going to be over. It's going to be, well, this is this <laughs> yeah. mistaken notion that the right. problem 
in the United States at any rate in 2020 was, you know, mostly Trump, which is just not true at all. Trump is a is an archetypal symbol of what is below the surface of the consciousness of the collective. So he is not the problem. He is the reflection of the problem. And so him going away as president does not change the problems that are rising up and needing to be expressed. Yeah. Um, and remember, too, we're all connected. We are all one. So even though the election cycle in the United States reflected the difficult transits very, very directly. And I happen to be an American. So I used yeah. a lot of that to do my describing of the energies. Yeah. We are one single you know, collective as a being, the planetary being. So there is no separation between borders energetically or archetypally. Yes. We are all uncovering things that were not seeable or knowable before because we were successfully keeping a lot of shit under the rug and that went away in 2020. Big time. Rug was totally obliterated. And underneath it was a lot of dust bunnies. Yes, lots and lots. Yeah, and I think it's just a good reminder, you know, there's still work to do. We still have work to do, you know, as, as a, yeah. That's Absolutely. And it, that 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 gives me you saying that is a, is a wonderful opportunity for me to say Saturn square, though difficult and challenging, is designed to teach us yeah. how to navigate the new world mm-hmm. because he is the great teacher. Yeah. And Uranus's instability is not random or pointless either. He is known as the great awakener whose movements reflect our waking up to higher levels of conscious awareness. Mm -hmm. So this square that I'm talking about as potentially being difficult to navigate is also designed to teach us how to be better human beings and to wake us up to a higher level of conscious awareness. Yeah, that ain't bad. It just might be really difficult. Comfortable. Yes. Yeah. Uncomfortable. I personally love Saturn energy. You know, it's, it's, it's it's an acquired taste. I think, you know, Well, you have to be willing to face change transformation. Yes. You are then Saturn energy is your best friend. Yes, exactly. I've made friends. I have made friends with Saturn this year. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, I've come to love it in, you know, sort of a a, a different way than I have before. So no, that was incredible. And I think just such a, a good, um, you know, kind of uh, information old monologue just about what, you know, what we can continue to expect moving into 2021. So incredible. And I know that will be so helpful for people listening now and throughout 2021. Exactly. Um, One last thing I am really just kind of, this is purely a curiosity kind of selfish question for you. It's, it's more uh, switching gears is more into the topic of dreams because um, just quickly, I'm I'm really curious about your work, and I know you have a couple books on dream interpretation yeah. and things like that. I was actually I just picked up um, your little uh, the one that you wrote, I believe, 2015 little book of dreams this morning. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's yes. a cute little gifty book, and um, it's it. like an amalgam of the other two. It's a great yes. primer or starter. Yes, absolutely. And I'm you know I'm I've always, I've been interested by dreams, and and I find it a bit a bit a bit of an elusive realm so i'm excited to to mm-hmm. kind of to learn from you but what i wanted to ask you about is i've had been having these experiences lately where i have people who i have never talked to before they are on on all different places of the world i had one person in hong kong having this experience another person in south america and basically what they're saying is that they had dreams where i would come to them me i would come into their dreams 
and say, and introduce myself and say, hi, I'm Emily. Nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. This is how you can come, you know, come find me. And I would like give them my name in the dream so that they could come find me in their waking life. And this happened once. And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, yeah, whatever. right, 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 right. Yeah. And then it happened again. And I'm like, wait a second. And then it happened again. This has happened about five or six times. So I was just curious to hear your take on that. Is that a dream? Is that a figment of that person's unconscious or their subconscious that is kind of bringing them to, or is that more of an experience of I'm actually actually projecting yeah. or that wow. kind of thing? I was just curious to hear your take. Well, th- what, what you remind me of is um, there is a very evolved soul on this planet. She's a Buddhist nun <laughs> yep. and a tribal elder chief wow. in New England, Maine. Yes. I've been in her presence a few times and she's a high vibe chick. Yeah. And there's a story she tells about a, a Buddhist monk in Tibet. And she met in the dream space in exactly the way that you just described. Wow. And they connected in the real world as a result. Wow. So one of the things that happened for consciousness in 2020 for those who were available for it was that because there was so much change and transformation going on and remember there really is only one being here this is not a trope though it sounds like one And so in a moment of wild change and transformation that's happening at the level of the body, which is the mechanism of separateness, there is an accessibility that we have to the connected energies of oneness so that now experiences that 20 years ago, 25 years ago could only be had by high vibe nun chieftains and Tibetan monks can happen to people at lower levels of vibration because this is a human ability based on the fact that there is only one consciousness here that is reflected in six and a half billion fractal images of it. Wow. So my, and this is why I think it's valuable, important and crazy that it wasn't just one. Right. Yeah. Because the one you would have dismissed. Yes, absolutely. At a certain point, you can't dismiss the second and the third one. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, so interesting. Well, you know, they were kind of like, did you, they were asking me like, did you do that? Did you, you know, <laughs> no, not consciously. I don't know. I'm just sleeping. Right. So the answer to that question is the yes. part of that person asking the question and yes. the part of you receiving the question is the ego mind that isn't even in the game. Right. Right. So right. The, what did you do that? It's like, oh, well, I don't know. It's like the two people talking to each other, the higher dimensional self of you and he are, are like laughing at the at lower dimensional <laughs> conversation. Did yes. you do that? No, no, no. They're going yeah. like, 
we were we've been connected since before right 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 i love that that's a great explanation that's great okay that that clears up that that um that helps give context so thank you thank you well dr lennox this has been such a pleasure it's it's always so incredible to receive your 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 insights and your humor and your wisdom and i just love the way that you speak about everything that you speak about so thank you for doing what you're doing um i know i am going to continue to follow your work so closely this coming year but for people who are not yet connected with you can you share how they can get connected with you and maybe cool things that you have coming up oh absolutely yes Uh, michaellennox.com is the website so that's certainly a way getting on my email list is not a bad idea because everything that i do is announced by email um on facebook i can be found as uh uh uh, dr michael lennox Uh, instagram is dr lennox dreams d-r-l-e-n-n-o-x dreams um, I absolutely have all sorts of classes uh, 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 in 2021, starting with a class on finding your voice, which combines a little bit of work on the voice as a resonant mechanism and a cool. teacher warm up. But we're going to dive into the psychology of not having a strong and powerful voice. Um, this is one of my most popular classes, which cool. is why I'm leading off 2021 with that. And then I've got all sorts of classes around shadow dives and uh, finding forgiveness all on the schedule for the upcoming year. And of course, I will be sharing my Red Robe Astrology reports every day without missing, without fail. And you can find those on Instagram and Facebook. Beautiful. You'll that's what I was gonna say. You'll be there. Well, you'll be there every day in 2021 too. So we know where to find you. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. It was such a pleasure to chat with you, and I will talk to you soon. 